Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Froth here. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Thought Eater Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. It's top three Tuesdays, so I got some cool stuff planned for y'all. I do uh, top three lists of RPG-related stuff. Uh, it gives me another excuse to flap my gums. But first, a major apology to Logan Howard from Swordbreaker. Because Logan sent me one of his infamous, famous theme songs just out of the blue for Thought Eater, and uh, I'm going to be using it for the outro of the shows, and I used it over the weekend during a Night Below session recap, and I completely spaced on thanking Logan for sending it to me. So Logan, find it in your heart to forgive me, please. Uh, major oversight. I should have given you a shout right then and there, and then I thought about it later, and I was like, oh, no. Anyway, it's awesome. It's got the... the that sweet melody that only Logan can provide. So thank you for that. So the way this one's going to work, I got a couple of call-ins. Uh, people enjoyed the, the last one, and that's very encouraging to me. I'm going to play a couple of call-ins I got. And then I had a couple of uh, call-in top three requests from J.E. Shields and The Happy Whisk. And uh, so we'll get to their list, and then I've got something at the end of the show a top three list that I had in my own mind. Uh, Gygaxy terms. Yes, those terms that only Gygax seem to use. Uh, or just you see in Gygax's writing, they're just so Gygaxy. So anyway, here comes a couple of call-ins, and I'll be back right after. Wow, Froth. All I gotta say is wow. I love the new Tuesday top three I really think you've got a winner there. I'm going to be looking forward to Tuesdays just the same way I'm looking forward to Wednesday Hump Day Blogorama. And man, I am so glad I heard that today because I almost made a big mistake in putting the wrong monster in my upcoming prequel to the Tomb of Xenophon. Froth, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Really like the idea you have for a top three concept for a show. And rolling out Zeb Cook was a really good idea. You're right, he's a, was a prolific, great producer. I don't know, with, with your picture though, if there was a top four, four might be that picture of Zeb with a fez on his head. I never would have guessed Lost Conquistador Mine. I'd never heard of it. But I'm going to go buy it on drive through because I've always been looking for a good Old West adventure. The other two I heartily concur with, Dwellers and Forbidden City and Slave Pits of the Undercity are both great modules. Uh, I don't know. My third probably would have been the Expert Rules, maybe Isle of Dread, but I think it was cool that you dropped a, a, a hidden gem, and I hope to mine that. Thanks. Bye. Gentlemen, thank you both very much. Frank T. there from Frank T.'s Liner Notes. Appreciate you, Frank. And also, y'all, if you haven't already, check out his Patreon. My God, patreon.com forward slash Frank T. If you want some print and play terrain, all kinds of awesome maps. And then lately, he's been dropping these little adventures on us. 
And what's cool is he does Swords and Wizardry, 5e, and Savage Worlds versions. So, uh, with the new Savage Worlds, hopefully shipping soon from that Kickstarter. I know I'm going to have some Savage Worlds going on at my table soon. And so, uh, awesome stuff. Really appreciate you, Frank. Thanks for that. And of course, Rob C., my doppelganger. My brother from another mother. My, uh... Fellow confuser of Ray Otis of Plundergrounds. Uh, from Down in the Heat. Yeah, so the Zeb Cook thing, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I love Zeb Cook and then uh, that Lost Conquistador Mine. It seems like a curveball until you read it. So I hope you get your hands on it and check it out. And I think you'll see it's just a, a superior Wild West um, adventure. Uh, I can't think of one that I'd rather run. So, um, I ended up giving it the edge over some of the other awesome stuff that, uh, Zeb cook did. I mean, it's really splitting hairs. You can kind of write down on a piece of paper, everything he did and throw a dart at it and land on something awesome. So, all right, well, we're going to get to our first top three here. J E shield sent one in. Let's see what he's got to say from a grazing mace. Hey, Jeremy. This is James of A Grazing Mace. I just want to say thank you for uh, the uh, podcast that you do. Help me get me, help get me through my 10-hour days. And you talked about doing your top three, so I've got one for you. Uh, since uh, all role players since seem to have them, what are your top three favorite RPG dice? All right, talk to you later. Uh, J.E. Shields there from A Grazing Mace, another legendary Anchorite podcasting here on Anchor. First of all, thanks for the kind words. Ten-hour day is brutal, so I'll be um, listening to all the Anchorites myself. I uh, I love the community we've got here, and I'm always listening to everybody's show, so appreciate you checking mine out. Dice. Ooh, you're not making it easy on me, are you? Oof. Whisk did the same thing. These are tough. Um, I thought about this because it kind of leaves it open-ended. So it's maybe not necessarily, you know, the exact die type, but it also could be a specific die or dice set that you have and all this kind of thing. So I thought about it. For my number three, I'm going with percentile dice. Rolling those percentile dice. I like having the... One kind of D10 for the tens column and the the other for the singles, single digits. And I was trying to think of why I like that. And it's something about percentage-based skills seems really logical to me. And also Call of Cthulhu is one of my favorite games. And so it seems like if I'm rolling percentage dice, it's usually when I'm playing Call of Cthulhu. So I really like that. I don't know why some of these things, I've been thinking about it. You can't really explain exactly why, but it's just a feeling of it. Something about the logical, um, easy to understand, roll under percentage dice, uh, you know, uh, mechanic that you see in different games. So rolling percentage dice. If I'm rolling percentage dice, chances are I'm doing, playing something I love. So I'm going with percentage dice number three. Number two, the D30 got this big old black d30 that just when you when i gm or whatever and i pour out all my dice on the table the big old d30 comes lumbering out 
And one of the reasons I love the D30 is because a few of my favorite OSR products use them. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, Richard LeBlanc's work. The D30 um, companions are excellent. And um, Richard's also done a lot of just put up a lot of D30 um, tables up over the years that I've got, you know, kind of filed away and saved in my little Richard LeBlanc folder. So, um, let me see if I can find his website. I could have had that. Could have had that ready. That would have been, yeah, it's just newbigdragon.com. So I didn't know if it was New Big Dragon Games or what. And Richard's done a lot of cool stuff. Uh, probably, I don't know if he's underrated, maybe. But if you haven't heard of him, that would just show he is one of the most underrated OSR creators right now. And um, so all that D30 stuff, you can't go wrong with it. Just, just buy it. I think it's up on Lulu, too, so you can get it fairly cheap. And then I, I remember there was a group on G plus was like the order of the D 30. And so it was other folks doing D 30 tables. And, um, so it's just fun. It's a great dice to, you know, dice to get out, um, in unusual circumstances. And then I like, it, it just comes out of my bag like a monster. So <laughs> I'm going with my D 30 for my number two and my number one, it's almost like the opposite of the D30. I've got this little D6 that's tiny that I think came from, you know, it had to have come from some long lost board game or, or, or strategy game or something, but it's just, it's like a tooth size almost. It's just a tiny little D6. And whether I need it to roll high or whether I need it to roll low, it always seems, it's like, I don't know. It's kind of lucky. If I got to pull for a D6, I go straight to it. You know, I, um, it uh, it might sound boring to y'all or whatever, but I don't know. Everybody's probably got that that favorite die. And I, I, it, like I say, maybe it's because it's so tiny and it looks like it's lost its home and I don't know where it came from. It also, like the six on it, is slightly off center. So it's kind of like, not only is it lost its home, but it was, you know, maybe not, maybe kind of poorly made or who knows where it came from, but it's just that little tiny white, basic little tiny little D6 that um, is one that if I lost it, I'd get really mad about it. <laughs> so I, I, I love that little, that little guy. So those are my top three. I thought about this like all week too. Thanks a lot, Jay Shields. I'm like working. I'm like, man, when it really comes down to it, what are my favorite dice? So I appreciate the call in and, uh, let's see what the whisk has got to say. Hey froth. It's whisk. Congratulations on your podcast of the three on the Tuesday. Very cool and easy to remember. So that's excellent. And my three to you would be, what are your favorite three gaming snacks and or foods to eat when you're gaming around the table? Oh, this one's really hard. I've thought about this one too. Because I like different foods if I'm a player and different if I'm a GM. Because if I'm a player, I can afford to eat something, you know, greasy or, or what, you know, heavier. Because it doesn't matter as much, you know, if I'm GM and I don't want to get my fingers all constantly greasy and then 
you're just exerting more effort and thought as a GM. And so some foods will just weigh you down. I don't want to get all bloated and all that while I'm GMing. So I'm almost always the GM. So when I thought about this, I thought I'd put my... I thought for number three, I put my top food as a player, and then I'll go into stuff that I prefer as a GM. So, number three, just straight up as a player, my number one would be pizza. I love when somebody's like, let's throw in on the pizza, or somebody even just gets the pizza, and and you just, you know, it's I guess it's just like from E.T., you know, where they're eating the pizza at the beginning. Can't go wrong with that. Everybody loves pizza. You can't put something on a pizza that I won't eat. So it's not something I want to eat while I'm GMing, though. You know, you got to try to, you know, chew and then talk and get all, you know, gets all over your, your hands and everything. It's just not one of those easy to eat snacks or whatever when you're GMing. So, but as a player, I'll go with pizza. So pizza is my number three. Number two. This one's probably going to sound weird, but thinking about it from a GM standpoint, I don't like to get all weighed down while I'm GM and I, I prefer something light, something a little bit healthier, something that's just not nasty, you know, not bad for you because I'm going to be sitting around for, you know, three hours or more or whatever. So I like having a little like carrot sticks and hummus or just something, you know, like a little healthy dip like that. Plus if it's in a dip, and I'm GMing, it means that I'm not going to just completely just kill it and eat it all just because I'm, you know, sitting there. Because uh, there's, you have to actually work to go dip a, you know, dip the carrot or whatever. So you have to kind of pick your moments or when the players are into something, you get up and dip it or, or whatever. So that's one that I don't, you know, I don't feel bad about eating. And I like carrots. I like hummus a lot too. That's something that when I run a game at the house, I'll often have that as a, as a snack. So, um, number two, it's not that I'm a health nut or anything. It's that, um, uh, I just, I don't like to overeat while I'm GMing. It just, you just end up crashing and feeling, you know, it's already kind of sometimes will give me a headache. Anytime I have to focus on something for too long. So I'm going with the carrots and hummus is my number two. And my number one, encompasses everything for the GM because it's not too heavy, quick and easy to eat, doesn't get all over your fingers, doesn't weigh me down, maybe even gives me just a little bit of energy. It's basic, but my number one, I'm going with pretzels. Yeah, sounds pretty boring, probably pretty lame to y'all, but the classic pretzel. A little salty, drink a little, uh, I like to drink LaCroix or other, uh, fizzy water. I'm not, not an alcohol drinker. So, um, I just like it. Doesn't get all over my fingers. I can eat a couple in between things and it doesn't, you know, like I say, it doesn't weigh me down or get me all greasy and get me all nasty after three hours. Now as a player, give me the pizza GM, give me some pretzels. Thanks for the call and whisk. I appreciate it. Okay, so when we come back from this quick break, I'm going to hit y'all with my top three Gygaxy terms. And now, a word from our sponsors. 
Alright, so one of the reasons that I love 1st edition AD&D so much is because of Gygax's writing. And people will talk about the DMG being unorganized and all this. And that's kind of the charm to me. I love the rambling nature and just the unique style that Gygax wrote in. That's what even makes some of his later games so interesting to read. It's not so much that they're good games or, you know, they're not bad games or anything, but it's the, it's just Gygax's writing style. And a, a lot's been kind of written on this. On the blog post companion for this, um, I'll have up a, uh, an article from Grognardia about, about Gygax's writing style. And then also another one, uh, the frontist, the frontistry, uh, which apparently means a thinking place, and th this one's also talking about Gygax, and it actually mentions the the number three Gygaxy term. You know, I think Gygax probably sent more more young people than anyone else. You know, looking for the dictionary back in the day, and there are just certain words that Gygax would use that. Maybe he didn't originate the words, but it's the first time I'd seen them, and you know you don't see them that often afterwards. So, uh, so Gygaxy words. I thought about this one, and I'm going with for number three, Dwemer. Yeah, W E O M E R, Dwemer. Dwemercraft, the art of magic, and Dwemer meaning magic. And so it's got, over at the link I put up, the frontistry link, it's got a, a real interesting kind of history of this world, how it shows up in an old epic history of England, uh, sort of an, it says sort of an ancestral text to Arthurian legends, where it talks about the Dwimmerkraften. And uh, it's just, uh, when I saw that, you know, Back in the day, I'd be like, Dwemer, what, or Dwemer, or Dwemer, what, what even is it, you know? And uh, it's just such a Gygaxy word, you know? Dwemercraft, or the Dwemer. It's just like, you know, why well, say magic when you can say Dwemer? So number three is Dwemer. Number two, milieus. Yes, the plural of milieu. M-I-L-I-E-U-X. So this is a word meaning environment, setting, scene, atmosphere. And you see this a lot in the DMG and in just a lot of his writing. And this is another one that when I was younger, it's like, Miliux? What in the heck is a Miliux? But then when you see what milieus actually means you realize that Gygax is using the perfect word for it. You know, it's a perfect term. It's just uh, like one of those words that when you see it in the sentence, it's like, what the hell, Gygax? What are you doing? Um, but then I, I love it, you know, and he, he'll overuse it. But uh, it's one of those words where you've got to be like a, a really confident grognard to throw this one out. It's like you've got to have the, it's kind of like, you know, trying to wear a fedora unironically, you know, you got to, you know, Get your courage up before you say, oh, yes, well, in my milieu, my milieus, before you say that down at the game shop, you know, you got to have some, you got to have some cojones to say that one. <laughs> anyway, 
milieus. If anybody's read some Gygax, you've undoubtedly seen that one. So that's my number two. And my number one, and now this is one that seemed to come up more in his later writings than in the early writings. I see this one in like uh, um, Dangerous Journeys, and I think I'll see it in like Legendary Adventure. But uh, Daring Do, an action displaying heroic courage. Daring Do, D-E-R-R-I-N-G dash D-O, Daring Do. Who says Daring Do? Only Gygax. Never seen this anywhere else. The only other place I saw it, or actually heard it rather, was my daughter watching My Little Pony one time. There's a whole episode about Daring Do and uh, some like, you know, subplot with some something or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> that's the only other time I'd ever heard someone, you know, mention Daring Do, at least that I can remember. And this is just a yes, uh, amazing, uh, you know, amazing feat of daring do. It just seems so. There's no other word for it. So gygaxy. So number three, Dwemer. Number two, Milieus. And number one, my number one gygax term. The most gygaxy term I could think of, daring do. All right, so anyway, that's what I got for y'all this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. These are fun. I'm having a great time with these. If anybody else has any more um, ideas or suggestions for top threes, please send them my way. Just uh, leave me a message on Anchor if you're using the Anchor app. Or you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail, or uh, use the uh, contact form on the Thought Eater blog. I want to always give a shout out to my patrons backing me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thought eater, only a buck a month. And, uh, you can check me out at the thought eater blog, frostsoftdnd.blogspot.com. And like I mentioned at the top, Logan's going to take us out with this amazing thought eater theme. See y'all on hump day bloggerama. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind